Jesus, thank you for this time. And uh, Morgan and I do bring our vulnerability before you. We consecrate this time to you. Jesus, I consecrate my mind, my will, my emotions, my perceptions, the way that I take in and register information as you come. Would you lead us, God, beside quiet waters in this podcast, even for Morgan and for me and for our friendship in Jesus' name. Friends, welcome back to another edition of the Become Good Soil podcast. It's Morgan and Sherry Snyder here in the studio, um, just coming off a captivating retreat. Welcome, Sherry. Thanks, buddy. Hi. Thank you for just being willing to put our marriage and our lives in a space that's very vulnerable and, and risky and unnecessary but motivated in love for these allies out there whose hearts are in the trim like us, trying to fight the good fight and run the race and keep our eyes centered in this life of the kingdom that's ever flowing to us and to our marriages. Thanks, buddy. Friends, we've been walking through the series of these foundational ideas that in the course of our marriage— we have tested and found to be enormous sources of life and strengthening and encouraging and maturing as we have tried our best to explore this question of what is the full portion available in marriage? What is the full portion under heaven that is available between a man and a woman? And As we've explored these, this next topic has been absolutely transformational as we have played with it and protested it and experimented with it in our marriage of this concept that we are just naming. And I think it was our marriage mentors, Tim and Ann, that gave us the name of coming to the center. Sherry, take us into that. Give Give us a bit of a kind of an introduction to this foundational piece for marriage. Well, buddy, I can at least put words to what it's been for us. I feel like several years ago, the image that I had was, it felt like we were stuck in a patch of brambles. And they were about head high. And they were obscuring, first of all, our ability to see one another as we were surrounded by them. And secondly, our attempts at movement involved what felt like increasing pain. Our movement, trying to move toward each other through these brambles ended up um, with new cuts and scrapes and um, points of bleeding. And we needed a different way. We needed some way to come to the center, to come to know and be known we needed an evacuation from the bramble patch. And it felt like the Trinity gave me this image and gave us this experience of what I picture as a tree house, this safe place elevated above the bramble patch that doesn't negate the fact that the bramble patch is there and we're still needing to navigate it. But it was a place to come, to know and be known, by each other and on behalf of each other in a way that didn't involve 
being hurt in the process. And I felt like part of what was necessary was we needed a way to relate to each other that didn't cause the other to become defensive. Because in our marriage, at least, often it seems like we are contributing to each other's pain, not on purpose, but for a a variety of reasons. And so when we would attempt to share our hearts, it would end up creating a spirit of defensiveness or wounding of the other person. And we needed a way to come and to relate to each other as if we weren't a player on the stage of the other story. So instead of coming to the center of you, Morgan, as your wife and as um, a main character in a tale of your pain as well as your pleasure, I was able to come simply as a friend and listen to you and hear about your marriage and about your experience of your marriage as if you were talking about someone other than me and I could know you for your own sake. And likewise, you were able to come to the center of me and hear about me and the pain in my marriage and and know me there as if you were not my husband, but as if you were simply my dearest friend wanting to know me in every facet of my being. And it was just such a helpful way and a safe place to know and be known. I'm grateful for our little tree house. Sherry, I really like that image of, of kind of ascending above the brambles, not to negate them, not for them to disappear, but to take a reprieve from yes, them. Yes, um, And yeah, I, I really appreciate that. I think for me, I remember when I went to a counselor for the very first time years ago, and it was my first session, and I I went in there feeling very anxious and um, uncomfortable. But at the end of the first session, I felt so loved, and my counselor called it the miracle of validation. And I think, in full disclosure, I went in there with a lot of pain in our marriage, feeling like you you knew me on a on a surface level. You knew the kind of the facts of the geography of our marriage and my life, but I didn't feel understood. Mm -hmm. I felt very lonely and Mm -hmm. misunderstood. And like you said, we would contribute to each other's pain in the process. So it felt like it was impossible to be understood. It felt like it was the first time in my life I was truly understood or known on an intimate heart level. It was the miracle of validation. And I remember when you you were the one that introduced this category to me, and it took multiple passes. And I remember the the day where I finally consented to it, where you said, Morgan, I need you to be my friend and not my husband. And like, I, I just, that couldn't compute. I mean, guys think in categories and I am your husband. And I just didn't know how to get out of that. But it felt like we couldn't cause any more pain than we already had with each other. And so I figured, why not try? It's all an experiment. But you asked me, you said, I need you to be my friend, like my girlfriend and just my pal and just come to the center of of how I'm feeling and not my husband. I just want to be known. And that was our first attempt at practicing this. And to be fair, our marriage mentors, Tim and Ann Evans, were incredibly instrumental in coaching us in how to exercise this, how to practice it, where we come to the center of the other person 
as you said, for their sake, taking ourselves off the stage of their story, which is very risky. Mm -hmm. But because of God, we know we always have a safe place for our own heart. We know there's a place that we are always known, that we are always understood, that we are always safe, that transcends our marriage. And so it gives us the possibility to leave the marriage space for a moment and come as friend and risk setting our own needs aside to love and to truly know and understand the heart of this person that we love. And so I remember that day where it was a shift for me because I could feel the knee-jerk reaction of, what do you mean? That, that defensiveness that you're naming. But I could also feel this ascending to a more holy, I guess, sacred place of coming to the center of your pain as your friend, realizing that must be painful. That's awful. And to have a husband that's contributing to your pain in those places, I can't imagine what that's like. And then afterwards, being honest that I'm the husband, right? I'm the guilty party. And vice versa, of course, we practice this. So over time, again and again, friends, this is something we've practiced, we've experimented with, we've messed up, but we've gotten better and better at, and and in some ways more and more efficient at taking short blocks to come to the center. But it is amazing how this tool, whose motive is love, whose energy source is the life of God, is so effective at dismantling the warfare that causes disunity in our marriage and also fuels this core truth that we want to be each other's greatest advocate Mm -hmm. and we are for each other more than anyone on this planet. And so it's a risk, it's messy, it's awkward, but it's so fruitful that we found that it's been worth it. Do you remember that first conversation that we had where you were talking about hunting and my trips. Was it downstairs on the green couch? Yes. So I'm I'm practicing this, guys. It is so awkward. And I said, okay, I'm just her friend. I'm not her husband. I'm just her friend. And then you shared very graciously, very benevolently of what your schedule was like in the last couple of weeks and the pressures of I'm feeling anxiety because of these demands as mom and his wife, and then my my husband's just been gone a lot. You know, he's had retreats for work that have taken him away, and then he was on a 10-day hunting trip. And my girlfriends say, I can't believe how much your husband's gone and that you even let him go away that much. And I've learned that it's really good for our marriage because his heart gets taken care of, but I'm really tired and I'm feeling the fatigue of his traveling. You remember that? Yes. What was that like for you? There there was a wild experience. Part of me said, what are you talking about? Like, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. You gave me permission. This defensiveness, Mm. this justification, like the husband voice saying, I'm doing everything I can to fight for my heart. I could feel him, and a lot of that is the knee-jerk reaction, but it was the first time I felt something new where I I saw you as this beautiful woman, as an apprentice in God's kingdom, as a daughter, as a wife, as a mom, 
doing your best and taking courageous steps forward. And I realized, wow, though you have given me permission in some holy and risky and rare way to care for my heart, and though you do bless my work and you feel our partnership in it, I felt the the risk. I felt the cost Mm. for you. I felt the price that you pay for my traveling. I felt the cost of what it must be like to have so much of your work unseen, so much of your contribution, not funded by a paycheck, but volunteer. Um, It's an unsung hero job in so many ways for all the work in our kids' school, for service, you know, at Ransom Heart, where you do a lot of your time volunteering. And especially for you to bless my hunting as an example of something where I go for soul care. Once a year, I disappear in archery season. And and we've learned that that's really vital for our family. And yet it comes at great expense to you. And I could see in your eyes at that time when our kids were very young, there was an immense cost. And I felt very honored that Mm. I got to come into that space. Mm. And it didn't cause me to say, I'm not going to do that anymore, but it grew in me a compassion and an empathy. I think that's a better word for it, of just simply knowing you and seeing you in that space. And I felt so much more inclined towards wanting to care for your heart. Mm. It was a big day. Mm. That's powerful. I hear that the space of being able to listen to me as my friend allowed you to connect with a capacity that you had to care for me for my own sake and drop below the potential defensiveness of something that of course of course it's understandable why that defensiveness would rise up and in, but you were able to actually connect with a, maybe a latent capacity to care for me for my own sake even in something so delicate uh, as the interface of a place in our marriage where I have blessed your soul care and yet it still comes with an impact on me that I'm still learning how to navigate. You were able to connect with this capacity to to know me there, even though it was such a delicate topic Mm -hmm. given that I have blessed you Mm -hmm. to go away. And I love that. I love that you were able to do that. I appreciate it so much. Here's one of the most powerful dynamics of this is it's a it's a mutual practice, right? So mm-hmm. we've learned that we each get our turn mm-hmm. and very quickly we've experienced the reality that as I come to the center of your experience, I equally will have an opportunity for you to come to the center mm-hmm. of my experience and over time as we experience the fruit of being known, of being understood, of being validated, it increases our capacity to lower our defensiveness and to come to the center of the other person. I think in the early years of our marriage, there was so much hurt that we felt like we couldn't stop defending our position out of a motive to come to the center of the other person because we would lose ground. Mm. But now it feels like knowing I will get my turn. Mm -hmm. You can drop the defenses. And so very quickly in this practice, I think we both experience the fruit of, wow, 
we will get our turn. I came across a quote recently where it said, what I give to my spouse are the things in which I long to receive. And this is an amazing practice of giving the very thing that we only lo- not only long to receive, but we actually will get to receive. And part of this practice is actually repeating back to the other person what you are hearing so that you can truly grow in the exercise of listening mm-hmm. because we actually are very poor listeners because we're we're so busy defending our position because of our own pain. It causes us not to be able to listen. And so part of it is coming to the center and communicating back to the other person what we're hearing so that we can exercise this practice. Morgan, do you have an example of when you took a risk and let me know you in a place that felt very vulnerable to be known in? I think there is something in the heart of a man that wants to have it figured out, that wants to have a fierce mastery over all of his world. And it's really vulnerable when you don't, when there are places in the heart of a man that he doesn't know, and he doesn't even know what he doesn't know. And and on the eve of the most recent boot camp, we ended up having a couple hours together where there was just some real honest confession and honest practice of this coming to the center. And I think it started with a risk of in you offering some of your pain. I found myself sharing with you just my, my fear of not knowing how to proceed with some big frontiers for us, for our marriage, not knowing where we're supposed to go next, and for my vocation of trying to understand what season we're in and some some hard relationships and not really knowing how to navigate them. And on the couch that day, I can remember feeling very vulnerable of going, I'm not sharing this from the perspective of I've come through it and here's where Mm -hmm. I have landed. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing this as a husband who doesn't have an answer. Mm. And that feels really risky. Mm. Basically what I'm saying to you is I haven't figured this out and I'm not sure how to proceed. Mm. And I think where marriage had come to the point where I felt like I could trust you Mm. with not condemning me for that and actually participating in the process with God of how we move forward rather than going to control or fear. I'm so glad, buddy. Thank you for trusting me there. So I'd love to practice. There's nothing like real time. Uh, Right now, we're coming off a very busy season. We've had a lot of missions vocationally, and you're just coming off of leading alongside the the women's team, a captivating retreat. And uh, we're on the eve of a couple other retreats and we have a lot going on with our family. And there's been more disconnection between us um, than I would like to admit. So if you'd be willing, I thought maybe we'd use this opportunity to practice coming to the center and each take a few minutes to invite the other person as a friend to come to the center of our heart and soul. Sounds good, buddy. Morgan, I'm aware um, as we're talking about this, and it's particular perhaps to our marriage, um, 
that often it seems like we use this practice to know each other in places of pain, but it can also be used to know each other in places of joy that just might not have as much visibility as we wish it mm-hmm. did in the daily grind of one's life. So I I just want to put it out there for our friends. Whatever season of marriage you're in, I think that this can be a place to be known in, in every texture of experience, whether joy, pain, satisfaction, disappointment, absolute, mm-hmm. exultant victory of a wonderful success. So it need not have the melancholy tone to it that perhaps it comes across just given where we're at a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, that being said, buddy, I would love an opportunity to know you and as your friend, not as your wife, taking myself off the stage of your story and listening as a witness. I would love the opportunity to know you and hear from you and reflect back to you what I hear in order to see if it's accurate. Sure. Thank you. Um, That's interesting the way you framed it because I I would say there is some very deep joy and some very deep pain right now that are really um, kind of concurrent and, and very real places that I find myself in my interior life that I would love to be known by you that that do feel like some places that um, are lonely because I, I don't feel as known as I would like to be. Um, I think in full disclosure, Sherry, I am humbled by my inability to kind of conquer the taskmaster of pace of this world. You know, Dallas says that the antidote to finding intimacy with God is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I feel like my life is very filled with hurry. The pace from the external demands that come to me and then the pace from the requirements I put on myself, it's just not sustainable. And I'm very convicted by it. I'm very humbled by it because I know better. And in some ways, it's not the life I want. There's some shame in it because it's all filled with great things. And I feel like our kids are thriving. And I feel like there is a lot of life in our marriage. Um, And there's so much goodness in many of our relationships and meaning in our vocation and maturing. But I feel like this pace is maddening and I'm trying to get off that train. And I feel like God is fathering me in profound ways. It feels like some of it is rooted in an unfathered place. I find myself looking for some proverbial like finish line. If I can just cross it, I'll run the race. But it's it's really wearisome. And it's it's a lonely place because we have fought for soul care and we fought for great strides in living a soul-filled life. But this world, I find, to be maddening and demanding of a life that is just not consistent with the life of our soul. And uh, I just want to eject sometimes and I feel immature. Mm. So that's a place of a, a lot of pain. And then... Um, 
concurrently, what's wild is I'm having some joy that's really deep and it feels like my very first days of um of walking with God back in college when I chose the biggest risk of my life to give my life over to God. And I felt like it was young love. It was the sacred romance. And that's actually when the sacred romance came out and we started reading it and we met John. And I feel like God's been romancing me and calling me into this adventure and beckoning me into this really, this light and easy. And the context is, you know, about 10 years ago, I personally got really convicted about debt and uh, personally just felt that the borrower is slave to the lender. And I found myself being a slave. And so I did what everyone was doing around me and we bought a townhome and then we upgraded to a house and we had our kids there. And But we had this mortgage and financial pressures and I could feel I was making decisions around finances and not around God. And I had a real intimate time with God and God said, you know, we can get rid of that mortgage. And um, I said, there's just no way. It was a massive number. It felt like at the time. And, and, and I felt like God asked me to ask him. And I felt like he said seven years, if we really commit together to walk with God, there's a way to get out from under a mortgage and said seven years. And, and fast forward another story for another day, seven years later to the month, we were debt free. And it was an amazing story of hard work, of living below our means and becoming a son and daughter, and then just supernatural math. But those three things together, we got free. And so for several years, we had no mortgage and we were able to save that money into a house fund, but we became really content you know, with our home. But we're open to this possibility of, God, are you transitioning us? And fast forward, here we are in this wild transition where we have these young children that are becoming teenagers overnight, and we have aging parents that we want to uh, make room, both in our hearts, but also in our home for. And so there have been some wild shifts where we are finding ourselves in the midst of a move, which is a whole nother story, but it's a story of being led by God step by step in this adventure that actually feels light and easy. It's not epic. John and I were at boot camp and Bart gave a session on adventure. And he talked about casual adventures and then he talked about epic adventures. And John and I looked at each other and we had that heart-to-heart, eye-to-eye, brother-to-brother moment where we both knew what each other was thinking. Everything in our life is epic, everything. Everything is life and death and a battle for the hearts of people and just heavy. And we needed casual and we're, we're laughing because most people, it's the opposite. They have some casual adventure, but it's a small story. And we just felt like we need a small story. <laughs> I need something that's not heavy, that has an ease, a joy. And, and I've told you so many times in this new home process that if it ends today, I'm good because it's just a house. It's just stucco and and concrete and a new address, but it's it's not life or death, you know, and, and you can get a different house. And so I feel like God's been really leading me like, like a son of just, it's been way too much to figure out in the big picture from the finances to the logistics to the calendar. And it was just overwhelming. And so I felt like God said, I will lead you step by step. And so the last several months, it has been so joy filled to just say, God, what's next? 
what's next? And it was a crazy story of preparing our house to sell. It was a crazy story of selling our home. It was a crazy story of choosing to move into a camper in the short term. And there's a lot behind that. But for this moment, just to come to the center, I want to say I feel refreshed Mm. that all this message is true and that the warfare is huge, but the warfare you fight through to get to the intimacy. Mm. And I am feeling an intimacy with God that has been so refreshing. And I've been feeling a lightness at the same time and feeling immense pain. Mm. And those are two places that I would like you to know me because that's the seed of what I'm experiencing. And I want to hold them both as true rather than let one take the other Mm. away. That's beautiful, Morgan. Morgan, what I hear are these two, your word, concurrent themes. And the first one is a theme of pain and a feeling of finding yourself mired in a pace that you fought really, really hard to extract yourself from, and yet you still feel stuck in a pace that is uh, faster than what you want. And also I hear you articulating that it, you feel immature in that place and you feel some shame over finding yourself there. And it feels lonely. And I hear some bewilderment and some a bit of hopelessness of, I've done so much to try to extract myself from a pace and eliminate hurry from my life. And yet I feel so much hurry in my life. And the parallels of, working really hard to eliminate hurry and yet finding yourself still caught in a pace that doesn't feel good to you and doesn't feel like life. I hear a theme of pain. I hear a theme of exposure, of not knowing how to handle this challenge and of being exposed or feeling immature in the challenge of it. And then I hear this theme of incredible joy. And I heard you use the word young love with God. And it reminds you of your days of when you first gave your life to God and were caught up in this sacred romance. And I hear you saying you feel pursued by God and wooed and exhilarated in a story that doesn't depend on you, but you're being invited to respond and participate. And there's these themes of provision and lightness and genuine delight of your father leading you in an adventure that doesn't feel life and death. It doesn't feel heavy. It feels light and joyous and very intimate and very personal with detail after detail that is just truly taking your breath away and causing a buoyancy and a delight and a joy in your life with God right now that is so precious to you and intimate. So I hear these themes of profound joy and then this theme of of pain and loneliness and bewilderment of how to move forward. I appreciate you listening. And just as you share back with me what you hear, it, boy, it really, um, it's healing in and of itself to be understood and known and just to have a pause to 
really feel like you're meeting me in the place of my soul. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, buddy. I'd love to take a turn and just be with you here, Sherry, just not as your husband, but as your friend and one who is interested in knowing you. Would you be willing to put some words to um, where your soul is at today? Buddy, I can, in some ways, identify with two concurrent themes like you shared. And I think that I am, I feel sad and disappointed that I still feel sad and disappointed with our story as it relates to the size of our family. And it's just, um, I've just so longed to move out of this space and to be in a place to enjoy the gift of our two healthy children and be present to what is rather than feeling the immensity of what isn't. And I've done a lot of work and a lot of pursuing God around really wanting to understand what is the good news of the kingdom that is good news for all people everywhere, regardless of circumstances. And I feel like there's been so much joy in what I've been discovering in God and in the goodness of the kingdom. And I just keep just being absolutely stunned by all the ways that I've learned the heart of reality wrong and want to learn it as Jesus reveals it. And I'm just really enjoying this treasure hunt I'm on, particularly in the Gospels and reading Jesus' stories. And I'm challenged and I'm exhilarated and I'm just absolutely enamored with the courage of the Christ. And yet I'm just, when it comes to my own story, I'm just disappointed that I'm still disappointed. And I don't know, I'm, you know, taking action to continue to, to work through that, but I... I feel the sorrow of still feeling um, far more aware of the contrast between the story that I wanted as it relates to the size of our family and the story that is. I, I was sort of hoping that I wouldn't think about that anymore and that I would only, you know, I would have my mind absorbed in what is rather than what isn't. And I'm still finding myself um, connecting with what isn't in a way that is disappointing to me right now. And I'm really longing to exchange this garment of disappointment for a garment of joy and presence and gratitude. And I just am sad for the not yet of that. Thank you for sharing that. It's really courageous. Um, Sherry, I hear you saying that you are feeling in your honest places, some very deep sadness and some very deep disappointment. But even deeper than that, I hear you saying you feel sad and disappointed that you still feel sad and disappointed, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly in this area of the size of our family um, and the congruence between the story that you wanted in regard to the size of our family compared to the story that is Mm -hmm. with the size of our family. Uh, I hear you saying that it's really tugged on this question of what is the good news of the kingdom and that you have been on this treasure hunt 
for the answer to that question that's led you to lots of life and joy, and you are taking and you have taken many actionable steps to work through this sadness and disappointment, and yet there's still in your honest places a very deep and very real profound sorrow over it and you look forward to the day of exchanging you use the word a garment which i like that um a garment of joy and gratitude for the story that is rather than the garment that still you are wearing today of a sadness Mm -hmm. and a disappointment Mm -hmm. for uh, the story that is. Thanks, buddy. Like you said, it's healing just to be heard. And I can hear through you, I hear my own spirit and soul registering the kindness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to me in this place. It's just a really deep thread in my story that is, um, I, I long for more encounter with God over, but it's, I feel his kindness to me in it, Hmm. just in, in the sense of he's not, um, the spirit of love isn't frustrated that I'm still disappointed. Yes. I really appreciate your vulnerability. And I think just to our friends out there, a good reminder right here in the space is this exercise is not the context to fix Mm, or to defend. And so where we go from here is as important as the exercise mm-hmm. we just had. It's not to fix and it's not to defend, but to take this treasure that we've shared with each other as a sacred trust and take it to God and let him bring his life into it as we move forward. Mm-hmm. So one of the pieces I know you and I have found, Sherry, really helpful is this kind of practice of this idea of called take 10 life is full and many people out there like us have little kids and demanding worlds and what we found is we often don't have the space for an hour to come to the center of each other but this practice of taking 10 where we each take five minutes on the clock we literally start the clock and we each have five minutes to articulate where we are at and be heard and then have the our spouse have a chance, you and I, to respond back to what we're hearing as an exercise of taking the portion that we do have um, that's available every day. There's 10 minutes available every day to come to the center to be known and understood. And I think even in this podcast conversation, when we both walked in here from different directions, there was a little bit of a barrier between us of not being known and understood because of just all that we've been uh, contending with even in the last couple of days. And now it feels like there's more of a spirit mm-hmm. of unity mm-hmm. and union. Mm-hmm. And so as we wrap up this podcast, I would love to challenge our friends out there with this question. Where is it that you feel perhaps that your spouse doesn't know you and understand you and that you might be willing to take a risk? of initiating with them um, a practice of this exercise of taking 10, where you each take five minutes to say 
the goal is to simply be a friend and not a spouse and do everything we can to be present, to listen, to come to the center of our spouse, and then to repeat back to them what they hear, not to fix or not to defend, but simply to offer the miracle Mm -hmm. of validation. Mm -hmm. Powerful. And Morgan, as you're saying that, it strikes me that because it's not about fixing, it makes that time period really possible because there literally is nothing required other than to know and be known. Yes. Nothing more is required. And and so that really does make it possible to know and be known in some meaningful degree. Yes. Even in a 10-minute block when, when you really have taken off any strategizing or defending or explaining or solving. Yes. It does make 10 minutes a very potent amount of time. It's been said that the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And so would you pray, Sherry, as we Mm -hmm. conclude this podcast for our friends out there that um, many of whom might be taking this first courageous step of being known and knowing um, for the very first time in a deeper way. Mm -hmm. Would you lead us to be led by God? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus, thank you for how you reveal the face of reality, the glory of God in the face of Christ, and that your eyes toward us are kindness and compassion present with your gaze set upon us, and that we can return your gaze and know and be known in your gaze and by your gaze. And so, Jesus, from the place of receiving your gaze, your kindness upon us, and being thoroughly known by your Spirit, would you grant us the courage to drop our walls of self-protection, quiet our habit of defensiveness, and create a new space, a new way to know and be known in our marriage, or a deeper way to know and be known in our marriage. I ask that you would lead each one of us to a quiet place, a consecrated, set-aside place where we can know and be known. Would you quiet and bring a hush and a timelessness to that space between each man and each woman in each marriage, everyone listening. Allow a space, God, to know and be known as we are known thoroughly, God, and someday we'll know thoroughly. Thank you for this time. Lead us by your Spirit into a new way, God, a deeper way, with you and through you. Thank you, Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come. Friends, thank you for your courage. Thank you for willing to risk alongside of us, uh, to risk asking the question, what is the full portion available for a man and a woman under heaven? Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to being together with you again soon for another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast.